Dear listener, it's a great joy that you choose to join me. This is Adventist Soul Radio, the voice of hope. Please keep tuned to this station until the end. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. This is your favorite new life program with interesting segments just for you. Part 1 will be having the family life segment by Lydia Aching. Today, she will talk about arguing in front of children. Thereafter, we'll be having the Bible segment by Brother Ian. Today's topic is about spiritual growth. Before that, here's a song Amazing Grace by Gracious Singers. That you've been blessed with that lovely song. Thank you for staying tuned. Let us now prepare to listen to Lydia Ching as she talks about arguing in front of children. Be blessed. Today we are going to talk about arguing in front of children. A lot of people worry about what their children see on television and in the movies and so on, trying to protect their innocent hearts. And yet they overlook the damage that is done to these same children as they see their parents destructively arguing with each other or they hear their abusive behavior in the next room. I confess this is what happened to me as a child. 
To this day, I still remember the confusion and hurt it caused in my spirit. It modeled for me the opposite way that conflict should be handled. I also have to confess that in our earlier years of marriage, Steve and I did the same thing to our children. We yelled and displayed selfish, childish behavior as husband and wife right in front of our two sons. It just wasn't right. We now know of the emotional damage this causes. It hurts our hearts to think that we didn't recognize it sooner than we did. We'll always live with that regret. That's one of the reasons why we are addressing this subject in this marriage message. Praying that it will cause couples to stop the destruction and work together to find ways to resolve their conflicts in healthier ways, especially for the sake of the children. Last time we addressed the issue of arguing in front of others. This in itself can be destructive to your relationship and puts others in the uncomfortable position of being an audience to your fights with each other. But it's even worse when your children are subjected to this inconsiderate, dishonoring behavior. As parents, it's important to realize that when the two people these children love the most, the ones who are in charge of protecting and helping them to grow into healthy adults, are pitted against each other right in front of them or within earshot, this hurts them. We watched a powerful television program a few years back that brought this point home to us all the more. It was shown on a national program called The Dr. Phil Show, before it aired, Dr. Phil McGraw had video cameras placed, with their permission, in the home of a married couple that asked him to help them with the fights they were having with each other. Afterward, he had the husband and wife sitting together on his show to watch with the audience a part of what was videotaped. It was a very tough program to watch, but important. The video showed the husband and wife screaming at each other vile, destructive things with the children right there in the room watching and hearing everything that was going on. It was quite evident from the children's behavior that they were extremely conflicted about all that was happening. The daughter was even crying, pleading, and yelling at her parents to stop. The son just sat in stunned silence, rocking back and forth, obviously disturbed. But still, this couple continued on as if the children were invisible, and for the most part, the parents admitted later that they were. The parents didn't even notice their reactions. They were so caught up in their own agendas that they practically stepped over the children to verbally assault each other. When this husband and wife watched this video, they both realized how horrible this was for everyone involved, especially their children. They resolved to find the help they needed to change their behavior from that day forward. And from what we heard in a later report, they did. They got the help they needed to learn how to resolve their conflicts in healthier ways and also to take their arguments away from their children. What a great relief that must be for all involved. Concerning this issue, one of the main arguments we've heard from others is that children won't learn that it's normal that married couples disagree with each other and they won't learn how to resolve conflicts if they don't see it modeled for them. Admittedly, that can be a valid argument. But what kind of modeling are they learning when their parents are assassinating each other with their words and sometimes abusive behavior? What's good about that? What are they learning in a positive way when they hear their parents slander, berate, and demean each other, as well as bringing up subjects that the children have no business knowing about? To shed light on this issue, here are a few quotes that we hope you'll prayerfully consider. Live so that when your children think of fairness, caring, and integrity, they think of you. 
Does the way you and your spouse live and disagree with each other model fairness, caring, and integrity? If it doesn't, then what are you really teaching your children? Even if you can't convince your spouse to act in a way that appears fair and caring, what's your excuse? Does the Bible tell you that you're excused from acting as a person of integrity just because your spouse is treating you in an opposite way? Wouldn't it be better if that child had at least one parent who honors the Lord and others in how he or she treats everyone in their home? Let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Each one should test his own actions, then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else, for each one should carry his own load. It's not just how you act when you know your children are watching. It's how they see you when you're not looking. We worry so much about what they see when they are flipping through the channels on television. Kids have another view of the world. It's the things they see and hear every day in and around the family. We can turn the television off. We can select the channels they can watch and for how long. But we forget that they're more impacted by what they see every day in their own lives. How you respond to them, how you live, what you do in a crisis, and yes, how you love each other should be the real concern. Do not have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. 2 Timothy 2, 23-24 You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. The question is, from the letter you are displaying from Christ, what message are your children reading in how you treat each other as husband and wife? We're going to visit this subject again next time, but we'd like to leave you with one last thing to prayerfully consider, written by Heather Long. It's hard to be married. It's hard to be a parent. But the best thing you can do for your marriage and for your kids is to recognize that disagreements and quarrels are a private matter that need to be identified and resolved between you and your spouse without an audience. Don't fall back on the silent treatment either. Kids aren't stupid. They recognize tension and hostility as easily as an animal does. Do your, do your, entire, family, do your entire family a favor Figure out your problems on your own and provide your children with a positive example of conflict resolution that doesn't, involve, that doesn't involve screaming matches. It's important for us to note what we're told in God's word. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 and 18. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We pray this we pray this message ministers to you. We pray this message ministers to your marriage in a powerful way. Let us pray. Lord, thank you so much for the marriage message that you have helped us to hear today. We pray that you may help us to apply the good advice that our marriages may be a blessing and may be an honor to you. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. This material is provided by Marriage Missions International. Until next time, God bless you.
I hope that you've enjoyed that family life segment. This is a new life program coming to you from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Do not forget to send us your thoughts about this program by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276-00-100-Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is Nairobi at ek.adventist.org. Let us now hear from gracious singers with the song, Be Yesu. Oh, no. 
Thank you once again for staying tuned to our station. It is time for the Bible segment. Brother Ian, welcome and bless us with the word. I greet you, dear listener, in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our study today, and the topic of our study is experiencing spiritual growth. I'm your presenter, Ian Muse. Physical birth is just the beginning of a long and perilous journey, and the new birth is no different. Growth must begin instantly after spiritual birth, or else the individual will soon fall prey to a spiritual grave. Jesus says, He that shall endure unto death, the same shall be saved. Matthew chapter 24 verse 13 To discover how we can grow spiritually after we've been born again, let's consider for a moment how children grow. There are at least five basic things they do, either consciously or unconsciously, in order to grow. They eat, they drink, they sleep, they breathe, and they exercise, play and work. What do babies need in order to grow and develop? Milk and love. Without these two things, infants will not even survive, much less grow. A spiritual newborn is no different. The church family is to provide the loving support for the newborn Christian. But what is to be our spiritual milk? And where do we get it? The answer is found in Peter's epistle. He says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that he may grow thereby. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Milk makes babies grow, and our spiritual milk is God's word. In reference to spiritual food, Jeremiah says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. Job had his priorities right when he said, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job chapter 23, verse 12. It was the master himself who said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. To live by every word means not only that the scriptures sustain our spiritual life, but more importantly, that we live in harmony with the instructions and principles given in the Bible. Jesus told us how to feed on the word when he said, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of him. John chapter 5 verse 39. The prophet Isaiah spoke of comparing scripture with scripture. Isaiah 28 verse 10. And Paul stressed the importance of rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. There is no benefit in sitting at a table filled with food and simply viewing it. You must put the food into your mouth, one bite at a time. Chew and then swallow. But does the process end there? Oh no. Your body still must digest the food, which is automatic if you've done the first three steps correctly. In the same way, to receive nourishment from the written word, we need to take bite-sized portions of it. Chew on them, swallow and then digest them. This only takes time, of course, just as with eating a decent meal. 
Don't try the fast food. Drive through approach to Bible study. The spiritual nourishment gained from such a study of the Bible will strengthen and enable us to resist temptation. The psalmist wrote, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Psalms chapter 119 verse 11. Shortly after his baptism, Jesus used scripture as his defense when facing the devil's most subtle temptations. Three times he answered, It is written, Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 to 11. God's word equips and empowers us to live a victorious Christian life. You see, the Bible is God's voice speaking to us. Through the written word, we come in contact with the living word, Jesus. As we associate Jesus in scripture, we become like him in character. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 By feeding on the written word, we are eating the bread of life. John chapter 6 verse 51 to 58 We are partaking of the divine nature. Through the precious promises of scripture and daily growing to reflect ever more of the divine character of Jesus. When we eat can be just as important as what we eat. If you fast all week along, hoping to thrive on the nourishment gained from a spiritual potluck in church on the seventh day, your soul will be stunted and starved. You need at least one good spiritual feast each day. Write out a Bible promise on a card and stick it in your pocket or purse. That way you can pull out a spiritual snack several times throughout the day. The best time to eat spiritual food is in the morning. And just as we thank God in prayer for physical food and ask for his blessing upon it, so we should ask God to guide, instruct, and help us understand the Bible before beginning each spiritual meal. A person can survive several weeks without food, but only a matter of days without water. What is to be our spiritual water and where do we go for a drink? Jesus gives us the answer. He says, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit. John chapter 7 verse 37 to 39 The water Jesus promises to give us is the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been thirsty while visiting in someone's home? To quench your thirst, you simply must ask, Could I have a drink, please? I have never seen anyone refuse that request. In fact, most hosts not only give you one drink, but also ask if you'd like another. Notice Jesus' promise. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Luke chapter 11 verse 13 To reach this spiritual water, the Holy Spirit, all we have to do is ask for it. God promises that if we come to Jesus as we are and ask for living water, we will receive a spiritual drink. Then, just as water cleanses, purifies and refreshes every cell in our physical bodies, so the Holy Spirit cleanses, purifies and refreshes our souls. However, when the Holy Spirit is convicting us of something we should do or quit doing, if we refuse to surrender and to accept the purifying work of the Spirit, we can hardly expect to receive another draft of this blessing. 
It is the Holy Spirit's work to convict us of sin. John chapter 16 verse 8 And to guide us to all truth. John chapter 16 verse 13 Then, as we respond to the leading of God's Holy Spirit in our lives, He becomes our comforter. John chapter 14 verse 16 to 26 And John chapter 15 verse 26 And John chapter 16 verse 7 Of this life-giving water we may partake freely. Revelation 22 verse 17 Listener, we must take them ourselves every day. God is not going to send an angel from heaven each morning to read the Bible to you, pray for you, or do any of those other steps for that matter. These things we must do in cooperation with God, and by so doing, we will become little in our own eyes, but great in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. I was your presenter, Ian Musa. We are grateful for the time you've accorded us today. Let us meet right here at Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Don't forget to send us your views about this program by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 422-76-00-100, Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. I've been a presenter, Samuel Mang. Until then, stay safe, stay blessed.
Señor. 